So, just when I figured my life had turned out pretty much the way it was going to be until I smoked my lungs black and worked my way to an early grave, everything went and changed on me. I'd be lying if I said everything was perfect. Following up my full shift at Adventure Tech with a half shift at Recollections still made for a hell of a long day. And the mom's not here conversation still sucked. Even so, Big Dan came back to work with me not as his partner, but as his boss. Our sessions were 90% booked through January, and we were even seeing some early Valentine's Day action. When the credit card receipts hit my bank account, I would have enough to buy a sixth name machine and give Carlotta and Pipsy a Christmas bonus I wasn't ashamed of. And I even had a new employee, Larry Kelly, who'd shown up to work that Tuesday morning in clean sneakers, new jeans, and a navy blue hospital scrub top that made him look strangely official, especially since he didn't even have a specific job title. The customers treated him differently, too, with authority and respect, even though he was basically the janitor. He had the gift of gab, and he seemed so thrilled to be working at Adventure Tech. The clients couldn't help but notice. The staff, too, for that matter. On Wednesday, my father and I both wore a button-down shirt and decent shoes to work. On Thursday, Dad added a tie. I wasn't about to go quite that far. Being the boss had to have some kind of perk associated with it. And while the initial appointments were all for love connection, after the first couple of days, Larry pointed out to me that a few of our other names were starting to reappear on the schedule. I supposed it only made sense. How many horny friends could the 12-shooter possibly refer? It's the parking lot, Larry said. People see it's full of cars, and they figure this is the place to be. I wasn't totally sure about that, but I was willing to allow that something had shifted. The day before Christmas Eve morning was humming right along when Carlotta paused in the door to my office and gave me a look. I glanced up from the Neem Equipment catalog I'd been dog-earing. What? Maybe you want to peg out the client in setting the stage for success. Doesn't Big Dan have it handled? He did, didn't he? Why wouldn't he? Sudden terror over what might possibly go wrong flooded my brain. What if that packet really was defective? It was the place where all the weirdness had started, wasn't it? What if donning the nemographer's cap had somehow made Dad's persistent neem worse? What if... Daniel, stop staring at me like you just peed down your own leg and come out the room. I dry swallowed, stood, and followed her. The neem chamber where the clients traipse through their neem experience between anesthesia and peg-out is nothing to look at. It's a big, windowless room in the middle of the building with a thick commercial carpet on the floor and eggshell foam acoustic tiles covering the walls. The lighting was low, and a small humidifier gurgled in the corner. Our six clients rested on their wheeled gurneys, two against each long wall and one against each short wall. Carlotta strode up to one of the clients, planted herself beside him, crossed her arms, and gave me a C look. I still didn't get it. She rolled her eyes. If you peg him out, she whispered, and then you stick around for a few minutes, you can be the one who welcomes him back to subjective reality. 
Do you need to leave early? You should have said something. Look at him, she hissed. The man's got a face like an angel and a package like John Holmes. If you don't at least try to hit that, you got a serious problem. Needless to say, I took a second look at the guy on the table. He did have very nice features. I couldn't vouch for his package with the lobster towel over his lap. How do you know he's gay? You didn't actually ask him, did you? Please, is not obvious. Given that he's currently semi-conscious and not checking out my ass? No, it isn't. 